Hi, and welcome to another episode of Spotless, your podcast for updates and trends in the cleaning industry. My name is Frenny, and I'm here with Robert Stelling, director of Interclean. Hi, Robert. Hi, Frenny. Today, we are going to talk about ergonomics. What is it? Why is it important? And of course, what's it got to do with the cleaning industry? This touches on a few areas, staff well-being, health and safety, and innovation. Let's go. Let's go. So, Robert, let's start with definitions. What is ergonomics? What is ergonomics? Yeah, that's a very good question. And, uh, well, it involves basically finding ways to reduce strain on the body through smart design, equipment, and habits. Not only can workers be more productive that way and focus on performing cleaning tasks properly, but as we know, a safer work environment means also means fewer injuries and therefore lower absence rates. So it's good for the cleaner and it's good for business. So why is it important for the cleaning industry? Well, you know, cleaning jobs can be really hard on the body. Carrying out cleaning work is physically demanding and it requires a lot of energy. In the cleaning industry, the objective of using economic products is to reduce stress on the body. I'm sure that we can all agree on that with you. And um, what type of work-related injuries can people in the cleaning industry suffer from? Well, for example, workers can strain their muscles, their joints, and their entire musculoskeletal system on the job. Heavy lifting and repetitive tasks are two particular risk factors. We call them RSI, just like we used to call the mouse hand in the, in, the, in the past. It means repetitive strain injuries, if you keep doing the same task over and over again. Mm -hmm. um, when you're cleaning, there's a considerable amount of repetitive arm, wrist and hand movement, and it involves also the shoulders and the back as well. So there really is a, a lot of risks for the cleaners to, to get, this RSI, mm -hmm. get this RSI. Yep, and one of the big challenges facing cleaning businesses is, of course, staff retention and health and safety. How can ergonomics help in reducing these absenteeism? Well, if you look at absenteeism, it's a difficult word. Um, <laughs> one of the things that fuels the cleaning sector staff shortages is sickness-related absence. And, of course, um, um, not being able to work because of a, a muscle injury is also a sickness. In fact, I read that last year up to... 55% of the UK cleaning workforce was absent. Of course, other co factors like COVID played a role, but it points to the importance of a healthy and safe work environment. Ensuring that your employees are economically optimized can really reduce the risk of injury and boost productivity at the same time. Mm -hmm. And do you have some examples of ergonomic cleaning? Sure, sure. I mean, if we're talking about products, equipment, ideally, they are already designed to fit the worker instead of wor forcing the worker to fit the equipment. Uh, these are just small things, uh, but a couple of things that you can consider uh, to avoid physical stress are, for example, using a vacuum cleaner. Uh, which is height adjustable. Make sure that the handle is comfortable to the grip and conforms to the user's hands. Mm -hmm. uh, another example could be to avoid lifting heavy items that are, uh, let's say, 25K as a, as a maximum. Yep. Um, but also noise. It causes fatigue. So look for quieter operating machines when choosing a new uh, vacuum cleaner again, for example. Uh, but also limit kneeling and squatting. And, you know, cleaners should also be really trained on how to perform clean dust properly to help minimize injuries. Mm -hmm. Okay, thank you, Robert. Thank you for these examples. Now let's turn to a key example of ergonomics, which is exoskeletons. Yes. Uh, first, did you know that the first ever ergonomic exoskeleton was patented in 1890? 1890 yes. already? That's a long time Very ago. Very long time yeah. ago. A Russian inventor, Nicholas John, came up with a device to help soldiers run and jump. Yeah. But it was never mass-produced. 
So the idea of military exoskeletons was later picked up by General Electric in the 1960s, but their device also was impractical. <laughs> so the first really breakthrough for exoskeletons across multiple industries came in the early 2000s. Uh, so enough about the history. Can we define for the audience what an exoskeleton is? Sure. Well, in a nutshell, exoskeletons are wearable devices that work in tandem with the user. They're usually made of plastic, metal or hard fibers and boost human performance while improving safety. Uh, they are designed usually to take the strain off a worker's body to help reduce injuries. For people in the cleaning industry, they perfect joints, reduce risk of repetitive strain injuries and make it easier to manage heavy loads. Mm -hmm. And I know that most of us associate the term exoskeleton with uh, studying insects anatomy in high school in biology. Well, I didn't really pay a lot of attention <laughs> during biology class, but I'm sure that the other the listeners I, I will do that. It, yes. Yeah. But when it comes to the field of ergonomics, I've read that there's different types of exoskeletons. So let's start, for example, with active exoskeletons. Can you explain what active exoskeletons are and how they work? Yeah, sure. So an active exoskeleton, it works with motors and they have sensors. The sensors, they register what the motor needs to know to deliver the right force at the right time. A computer program based on sensor information controls the action during operation. Active skeletons are more adaptive. They support always where, they need, where, they, where it is needed. As a result, they are potentially more widely applicable, but on the other hand, they also may prove to be a bit more costly due mm -hmm. to the sophisticated nature of the technology required with the sensors and the computers and so on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then on the other hand, we have the passive exoskeletons. Uh, how do they differ from the active ones? Um, well, passive exoskeletons, they do not have these motors. Instead, they use the force of springs or other materials to support human movement. The movement then generates the energy stored in a passive exoskeleton. Once stretched, that material wants to return to the starting position. This leads to forces in the exoskeleton that provide the desired support. For example, in a bent over working posture. Passive exoskeletons are lightly, easier to use, yeah, and they really appear to be catching on more quickly because of these lower cost and less mm -hmm. complexity yeah. and, and easy to use. Um, but they cannot be adapted to the circumstances, such as the weight to be to be lifted. Okay, so while we're on the topic of how technology and innovations can make the cleaning and hygiene workspace safer and more comfortable, can you explain the difference between cobots and exoskeletons? Yeah, sure. Well, it sounds like something out of Rise of the Machines or something. <laughs> yes. But uh, actually, each amazing invention serves a purpose in this exciting new wave of cleaning solutions. And, um, well, a cobot is a collaborative robot, and exoskeletons are really something different. Um, cobots, as they're known, and yeah, these, these collaborative robots, mm -hmm. they are fully controlled by the person wearing it, whereas robots operating operate independently. Collaborative robots will share the same workspace as humans, performing difficult, repetitive, thankless, or dangerous tasks for them. Mm -hmm. The exoskeleton will support cleaning operative with tasks that can't be auto automated, and both will coexist. That does sound like something out of a science fiction novel. Um, <laughs> so can you also touch on the difference between robots and cobots? Indeed it does. So well, as I mentioned, cobots are smart, autonomous robots that perform repetitive tasks that would otherwise be performed by cleaning operatives. The big difference with cobots is that they are designed to operate completely independently, where robots are often set up separately, shielded from employees for safety reasons. A cobot is often much smaller and lighter than a robot, which is why they also can be moved. This ensures that cobots can be used more flexibly and work side by side with the cleaning operatives. 
Okay, and, and how does an exoskeleton compare with, with the other cleaning tech? Well, I think exoskeleton, our technology, is still quite a niche in the cleaning industry. Mm -hmm. We have seen a growing market share in recent years, but it's not fully adopted yet. Yet it is already demonstrating it's capable of improving safety practices and reducing short-term and long-term injuries. With increased attention for worker well-being from employers and legislation from the government, of course, the market for powered exoskeleton is likely to grow substantially in the coming decade, I think. And, you know, if the development in robotics and, and, and IoT is anything to go by, this is a growth that we've seen exponentially over the last few years, mm -hmm. then I really think exoskeleton technology shouldn't lag too far behind. The only drawback is that the cost of exoskeleton technology is very high at the moment. However, as with most smart tech, once the momentum gets on the way and cleaning businesses realize the potential of this remarkable technology, I think we should really see some very interesting developments in this field. So watch this space. Yes, we definitely will. So one of the big trends in cleaning these days is the use of smart technology. Um, can you maybe mention some examples and why this is an exciting trend for the cleaning industry? Uh, well, I guess we've, we've already witnessed uh, a significant move towards incorporating robotics and IoT together with other data-led smart cleaning techniques, processes and products in, in cleaning regimes. And, and thanks to data sensors and, and, and IoT technologies, uh, cleaning can now be optimized based on educated, data-driven decisions instead of, of guesswork. And, you know, IoT technology analytics, it, it, it also enables the data to be understand more correctly and it understands more what is needed in terms of the spaces and the planning of the cleaning operatives uh, accordingly. And, you know, this, this not only saves on time and expenses, it also reduces the use of, of resources as water and energy mm -hmm. and the need for chemicals. Yeah. Um, you know, I read, I read recently a, a report from, uh, from the research company Research and Markets and it said that the global cleaning robot industry is expected, the market size is expected to reach 24 billion by 2026. Whoa, there's a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of money, yeah. So this automation, is it beneficial for the cleaning industry? For sure, for sure. I mean, use, utilizing robotics as part of a commercial cleaning contract means that human resources can be better allocated to areas that can't be covered by an automated cleaning solution. Automation is simply a way to go further with existing labor resources. Costs are also improved in the long run when integrating robots into cleaning contracts. Commercial cleaning robots are fast becoming the new standard for the future. Okay, so let's go back for, to the exoskeletons for a second. Can you mention some examples of commercial exoskeletons that are already actually being used? Well, so far the primary industries using exoskeletons are manufacturing, automotive, food processing and construction. However, more and more industries are using exoskeleton solutions to drive predictable performances and productivity. Uh, 20 years in the making, Sarko's Robotics Guardian XO uses more than 125 robot-integrated sensors to detect environmental conditions and the operator's movement. Time magazine named this robot Iron Man likable, uh, Iron Man-like wearable exoskeleton one of the top 50 best inventions of 2010. Um, another example would be the, the lightweight and highly breathable Mate XT exoskeleton units. It has been designed to improve the quality of life at work by providing consistent advanced shoulder and arm assistance and ergonomic support during repetitive operations and daily tasks. Um, Mate XT was actually designed by workers for workers by means of a bottom-up approach with multi-competence collaborators. 
Okay, thank you, Robert. Thank you for these examples. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> and the difficult names <laughs> yeah, yeah, to yeah. pronounce. <laughs> I had to study that. Yeah. So, uh, Robert, looking ahead, what can we expect from this trend in the future? Well, I think, you know, people are always skeptical when it comes to the introduction of new technology. They associate associated with reducing workforce, loss of jobs, and so on, and so on. All the things we also heard when robots were first introduced. But I think a better way of looking at this technology is that it brings opportunity. An opportunity to solve existing challenges. In this case, it is used to replace dangerous or repetitive tasks and retrain workers to conduct more quality-focused maintenance, maintenance positions. I think, personally, I see exoskeletons as complementing rather than replacing people. These forms of technology and innovation are not a threat to the industry or its workers. Exoskeletons are about protection at the end of the day. Mm. So this has been a fascinating insight into the world of ergonomics, automation, and into exoskeletons. So do you have any last thoughts before we end this podcast? Um, well, you know, I think some experts expect exoskeletons to become standard PPE, just like safety glasses, safety shoes, and fall protection harnesses. It's even likely that in the not-too-distant future, they may even become mandated in many industries or by governments. The topic of economics in the workplace is becoming increasingly important and is already well implemented in many companies' health and safety policies. And once the technology application and associated cost factor have been optimized, I'm sure it's more than likely we'll see exoskeletons becoming an integrated component of cleaning and hygiene protocols. I think once you've experienced the advantage of exoskeletons, you don't want to go back. Well, thank you, Robert, for these really valuable insights. You're welcome. We look forward to sitting down with you for another insightful episode of Spotless Soon. I so do I. And to our listeners, be sure to tune in next time. And until then, goodbye. Until then, Frenny.